Hey, Nathan, have you noticed it's getting a little chilly? It is. I mean, we live in the Rocky Mountains, so it's chilly about nine months out of the year in <laughs> the right places, right? Yes. Uh, and so we thought today we'd have a little bit of fun and kind of get ready for the winter by coming up with a list of the 10 best snow cars. And now, a quick note, these are vehicles that we've driven. These are vehicles that we've had video on, so roller tests, snow tests, off-road tests. And so certain vehicles are not on this list, like I want to know Subaru because they don't give us cars, but there are a lot of vehicles on this list that might interest you guys, and we kind of covered a little bit of everything. Yeah, well, they don't, get, they don't lend us cars. They don't lend us cars. Yeah, so we can't test them, so we don't feel confident about it. But neither does Ferrari. That's true. But, but there you go, Ferrari, nice going. There's no Ferrari on this list. <laughs> oh, there's not, because the Puega Zacol is not here, or whatever it's called. Hey, and uh, if you guys are living in, like, Phoenix, and you're like, hey, I don't care about, you know, snow. At some point, or Texas, at some point, we know you Texans like to come up here in the winter and do a little bit of skiing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe this isn't as uh, irrelevant as you might think. And Phoenix isn't that far from Flagstaff, and Flagstaff certainly gets snow. And then the other thing, you know, we're talking about the best snow cars, but a good all-wheel drive system also works in inclement weather, mm -hmm. uh, on sand, which we have a lot of in this country, yes. uh, you know, in dirt. Uh, and uh, the other thing we've picked is we haven't picked cars that are hardcore off-roaders. No, no. We decided not to go with the full. There's there's only one that I would classify as a pretty good off-roader on this list. And for the most part, these are various vehicles that either have all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive systems. And we'll talk about some of the different ones. And in addition, most of them have uh, seven inches or more of ground clearance. Yeah, yeah. And so um, let me actually talk to that, like yeah. personal experience. And then we can talk about like the vehicles that aren't on the list that are very good in the snow, but obviously we're not putting them in the snow in this list because they're not like family cars. So um, maybe 20 years ago, I brought a uh, Volvo V70R. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Uh, which was a really good uh, station wagon. 300 horsepower. I actually ordered it. You had the it. moose sticker on yours, right? I didn't, I didn't, but I wanted it. Oh. I wanted the prancing moose. <laughs> that would have been cool. So for all of you non-Volvo uh, freaks out there, uh, somebody created a prancing moose sticker uh, that kind of resembles the horse on the Ferrari. Right, right, right. <laughs> and it's yellow, which is kind of the color of uh, Volvo, yeah. and, and you put it on the side. Anyway, uh, so, um, you know, this is my, like, I, back then before I did this, I always thought, I just want one car, keep my life simple, that I can use for everything. And the V70R seemed to fit that bill because it was a station wagon, so I had a young family, so you could throw Tommy in it yeah. with all his stuff, my wife. Uh, so it had plenty of room. It was a station wagon. It also had all-wheel drive. Mm -hmm. uh, and it fast, too. And it was fast, so it was fun to drive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in the winter, it wasn't grand, so I thought, you know what, I'll just slap on some snow tires. Mm. So I got some Blizzax. Okay. Uh, which, you know, at that time were kind of the go-to standard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, we got, remember that horrendous snowstorm we got when the whole city got shut down? Was that 2007? Something like that, yeah. Something, yeah, hey, I, we, I do remember. I got we, stuck in the... We, yeah. got this, we got this huge snowstorm, and uh, I wanted to feel like... Well, like, you know, like like a guy who can rescue his wife when she called me up and she said, she used to take the bus to work, uh -huh. and she said the bus can't get from Denver to Boulder because the highway is closed, yep. 36, and it pulled over in Westminster and it was stuck there. <laughs> and I thought to myself, no worries, honey. I will jump in the V70R with its, you know, dedicated snow tires right. and come get you. You know how far I got? 
uh, down the street? Around the block. Around the block. I guess. <laughs> what do you think happened? Uh, you probably beached it. I got, yep, exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> I got ice on there. Yeah, that happens a lot here. <laughs> so at first it was like a giant snowplow because the car was very close to the ground. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually enough snow got underneath it that, that it got just stuck. <laughs> and I was like, what's the point of snow tires yeah. if you can't like actually drive it in the snow? And this was... You know, on a road that had been plowed, and it because there was so much snow, it just kept piling up. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I, with with a lot of work, I managed to turn it around, follow my tracks back, and that's when I realized how good pickup trucks are. Because my neighbor at that time, remember this one? He had a Frontier, but the supercharged one. Yes, you yes, remember? I do remember that, yeah. and I do remember him. He's the guy who used to order toilet paper from Amazon. Yes, 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 I, he did. Sorry, it's a long story. <laughs> long story. Uh, but anyway, he, you know, he just he said no problem. We jumped in his. Uh, Frontier with the supercharger, and of course, it had tons of ground clearance, and it was unstoppable. And that's when I realized that pickup trucks are really good, really good in the Trucks snow. in general yeah. are, you know, having good ground clearances is huge with snow, but not everything is as it seems. So here's a really good example. Yeah. If you get a good set of snow tires under most, or all-season tires, and we're actually going to talk about a couple, uh, you will have a better driving experience in most snow conditions. Heavy snowstorms, that's the domain of Jeeps and pickup trucks and whatnot, you know, things that really have high ground clearance. But even then, it's not all perfect. I mean, weight distribution is part of the problem. I know people who put sandbags in the back of their pickup trucks to make sure they have equal weight good when point, they push yeah. through the snow. I mean, there's a lot of things you have to keep in mind. So with well, that being well, said. Well, you, you, you made a good point, Nathan, oh. and that is tires, right? Yeah. So, so let's, let's just take that out of the equation right now. So let's talk about tires. There are three that we recommend. What are those? Okay, so the first one is the Michelin Cross Climate Tire. Now, all of these, by the way, are new or newer tires that – aren't necessarily dedicated just to winter, but they sh they can be used in winter so, better than all-season so, tires. So the Michelin Cross Climates we've had, I had them on the Model Y. That's right. Uh, and they're becoming kind of like the official uh, snow tire of Colorado. And what makes them unique is that for a long time, uh, there were different classes of tire, right? There mm -hmm. was a summer tire, yep. and then there was an all-season that was an M&S tire. But yep. let's face it, M&S tires, it's really just awesome. it was a horrible compromise, right? Yeah, M&S stood for mud and uh, snow, no, but the snow part of it was not good. Yeah, I mean, they were siped, and they had a little bit more grip in snow, but honestly, they just they paled in comparison to snow tires. Yeah, so you had three classes of tire. You had... Um, Mud and snows, which are kind of all seasons. You had summer tires, high performance tires, yeah. and then you had dedicated winter tires. Right. And then what happened was, I think it was in Quebec, in the French part, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. In the French part of Canada, they passed a law saying uh, that you had to have, and this is actually also true in Europe, in certain countries, that you had to have snow tires in the winter. Yeah. So you couldn't. And what I mean by snow tires, like dedicated snow tires. So we're talking Blizzak. So basically you couldn't run mud and snow tires, which I know I'm saying mud and snow, but they're not. I'm going to call them all seasons. You yeah, m and Yeah, you right. couldn't run all seasons all year round. Right. Uh, and that made it expensive because you had to have two sets of tires. You had to have summer or all season plus winter. And so Michelin came out with this new tire called the Cross Climate, which is an all year round snow rated tire with the little snowflakes. So the problem with snow tires often is that they are good at 44 degrees or below. The compound right. is designed in such a way that it provides you grip, it provides you bite at 44 degrees or below. They actually get a little bit softer with the exactly. cold temperatures as opposed to regular M&S tires, which will get harder like hockey pucks, and they just don't provide the same traction. And um, the problem with snow tires, and I, I had this 
Also on the V70R, I kept mine on too long, those Blizzaks, and yeah. I had, my wife was doing a triathlon in Coeur d'Alene, and so I decided to drive out there. Uh, me and Tommy are in this V70R, and it was like springtime, but it, you know how spring is. It got up pretty hot, so maybe yeah. it was like 70 degrees. I'm driving, I'm in Missoula, and all of a sudden I hear it's like, fum, fum, fum. And I look and I pull over, and what had happened was basically I had melted one of the snow tires, and I was on the I was on the I was on the uh, belts on the metal belts. Ah. and that's the problem with dedicated snow tires. You drive them in the summer, and you will melt them off. Literally, yeah. you will melt them. They are not meant for summer driving. Even a lot of people keep them on year round. So the Michelin Cross Climate solved that problem. Uh, they don't have that special compound. So what we found when we had them on the Tesla was that they're not as good as dedicated snow tires. They're like 80% of the way mm -hmm. there. Uh, so on some, on some things like ice where you think that, you know, rubber would turn into a hockey puck, with the dedicated snow tires, they actually provide you with grip. With these, not as much, but in snow, in slippery conditions, and let's call it uh, like, like slushy conditions, they're about as good as a dedicated snow tire, and you yep. don't have to change them. Yeah, and you have a video. Now, by the way, we're going to get to Tesla. It's actually on this list. Um, and there's a video, actually a couple of videos, where Roman's playing around in the snow, blowing through a neighborhood which has like a one foot or more snow in the Tesla, which is cool because at the time you were one of the few people who was actually putting out videos with Teslas going into the snow. Okay, so the next tire is the Falcon Wild Peak AT3. And this is a tire that we've had some recent experience with. And it is very similar to the Cross Climate in terms of it being able to be a multifunction tire. Yeah, so um, I'll give you another example. We bought, last year we bought this JK, right? Mm -hmm. That had off-road tires and it had Mickey Thompson's. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Big lugs, really beefy like a mud terrain Look tire. cool. Look cool. Get it in the snow, that thing was a goat on ice. Yes. And the problem is you can get all terrains that are snow rated, they have the snowflake, mm -hmm. or you can get them without the snowflake. Right. And there's a huge difference in snow performance, whether they're snow rated or not snow rated. Uh, so these Falcon uh, Wild Peaks, and thank you, Falcon, for sponsoring our recent uh, Cheap Toyota series, which will be airing very soon, by the way. Yeah, by the time you hear this, it's only going to be a week or two away. So <laughs> keep that in mind. It, that's if you Actually, this weekend, the time you hear this. Is it this weekend? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. So you'll hear us right on the time. You want to tell them what we did? Uh, I don't want to give away too much because, you know, they go on. But, but, but. Give them a brief synopsis. Just okay. what we did. We bought three <laughs> kind of inexpensive uh, Toyota vehicles. What we wanted to prove is that you can buy a used Toyota vehicle and basically with very little alteration, take them off-road and really beat up on them and have a good time with them. You don't have to spend thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 and get you know a new truck. So that was the first thing. Second thing is that we decided to get three different vehicles. And that went a little awry, and you'll see yeah. why. Yeah, because I, I, I gave the boys, Nathan, Tommy, and uh, Andre, a simple task. Go buy a Toyota that has over 200,000 miles yes. and under $10,000. And Nathan, you somehow didn't quite get that Almost brief. everybody got it right. Only one person <laughs> got it wrong. And uh, that one person guesses me. However, I made the company money by doing what I did. And also really important to keep like in mind. Like budget? I went over budget, but Tommy went under budget, so I balanced every. I balanced the books. Anyway, we're going to try to prove uh, that uh, you know Toyotas are indeed the most reliable, or disprove it. Uh, and that series will start this week, where well, you'll see what happened and how it all went awry very quickly. Yeah, it did. All right, what's the third tire? Uh, okay, the third tire is the BF Goodrich Cross Terrain. Um, I actually have a set of these on my vehicle, so I've had a chance for about ten months now, roughly. Uh, to drive these in every weather condition. That's including on uh, sand, but more importantly on snow and ice. These have been the best all-around tires that I've had so far. 
And I'm not saying that just because it's BFGs, which I've had good luck with the KO2s before, and that's what I initially wanted. These are actually better for street driving, um, although not the best gas mileage. I think I'm losing like one MPG, no, no big deal. But it is snowflake rated, and it has been on extremely cold uh, snow, ice, and it's been through a lot of uh, difficult situations, and it's done very well. And the best part is I've heard from other people who have this tire that they're very pleased with them as well. So it's a good tire. It's a solid tire. All three of these we do recommend, by the way. Yeah, and you know we're kind of starting this conversation with tires because you could have the best all-wheel drive system in the world. Yeah, and if you're on uh, you know the wrong set of tires, you're going to be stuck. Then you're stuck. Yeah, it, exactly. it doesn't matter pretty much what you're driving unless it's a tank. So and, and two more bit before we get to the list. Yeah, yeah, please. Two more bits of uh, just housekeeping. First, thank you to all our Patreon supporters. Absolutely. Yeah, you guys make this podcast possible. Uh, so uh, if you want to um, you know help support us, because uh, let's face it, the podcast uh, is more of a labor of love than a labor of, you know, we're a for-profit company, but these things don't make a lot of money. No, they don't make a ton of money. But at the same time, but they're fun. the fact that you guys sponsor us allows us to make these. And more importantly, it's evergreen. So it's always out there. And if you want to go see that first episode of the Cheap Toyota series, where should they go, Nathan? AllTFL.com. Yeah, and we've got a lot of different outlets. So that's everything we do in one place. It's kind of an easy way to keep up with the latest videos. Uh, I've actually taken it and saved it as a little web app to my phone. Yeah, so I have too. So just click on it, and then it just gives you a nice little list of all of the uh, videos that we've published every day. I mean, we got eight channels, four websites, three podcasts, guys. I mean, TikTok it's channel. a TikTok channel. Yeah, yeah you, you name it. So and a lot of social media stuff. So anyway, it's 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 all in one spot. All right, and let's talk about the cars that we're not talking about uh, because they're all good in the snow. But you know, the, the, these are like everyday cars, so you don't have to go crazy. So we're not talking about full-on Broncos. We're not talking about Wranglers. We're not not talking about forerunners, right? All the vehicles that are traditional. That would make sense to put on a list right. like this if we were talking about trucks or vehicles with frames and really high. Defenders, yeah. right? Uh, but because, let's face it, those are very special vehicles. They're very expensive vehicles. And for the most part, they're not everyday vehicles. So we wanted to keep this list down to kind of a set of vehicles that people buy as, as family trucksters. Uh, and we're not talking about trucks because that would be on uh, over at TFL. Uh, tr talking trucks. Talking trucks. <laughs> With you and Andre, trucks. Yeah. There is one like pretty pricey vehicle on this list, but we had some good experiences with it and figured it should be here. Anyway, let's get it started with the vehicle that's behind me. And are for they, those of you are, are they in any order or are they in no order? They are in no particular okay. order. So we're just going to go from top to bottom. All right, and, go for it. Yeah. So bear in mind, this is not like a number one is the best type thing. This is just in no particular order. Um, but the picture behind me, for those of you who are listening, is a picture of a Ford Bronco Sport. And that's a vehicle that Tommy and I agree is way underrated with its overall capability. It's a very sophisticated all-wheel drive system. It's done very well at our ranch. We did a torture test with it, uh, which is a video that Tommy takes it in the snow, through mud, uh, you name it. We've done roller tests with it, and it's absolutely cleaned up on everything it's done. It's extremely capable, provided that you get the one with the GOAT system, which is go over all terrain or any terrain or whatever yeah, that is. Yeah, so, so what makes this car such a... Uh, all-wheel drive monster uh, is it's basically taken the uh, different drive modes that you get in a Bronco mm -hmm. uh, and it has taken it down you know a segment below well, actually a couple segments below the uh, the Bronco into the kind of the small crossover segment and you know super like I said does not lend us cars so we, we don't know how it compares to a Crosstrek but out of all the cars we've tested 
Uh, it's got one of the best all-wheel drive systems yeah. in that segment. It has a trick twin-clutch rear end. And Tommy was you know, really, really excited about this system because it also does uh, torque vectoring. And essentially what you're doing is you're using a mixture of mechanical and electronic aids to make it do things that, honestly, most crossovers cannot do. So this is, we, we delight in this vehicle. We love it. We love the fact that it's affordable. And frankly speaking, I think that as a day-to-day driver, this is way more logical than a full-size Bronco. That's just me. So, like, when we're talking about, um, I think Land Rover calls it terrain response. You know, there's different names for it. Uh-huh. But, but basically, when a vehicle has a snow mode, uh, and it, at its basics, what it does is two things. First, uh, it kind of uh, curtails uh, throttle input, right? Mm-hmm. So when you when you push the, th- the throttle down, you don't get all the torque, so you don't get wheel spin. Right. Which is great because that, you know, the second you're spinning your wheels, that's the second you're, you know, you're going backwards down a hill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is not good. Or, or if your wheels are not touching, and more often than not, that's what a problem is. Even though it looks cool on video to have one or two wheels up in the air and precarious, that's actually a bad thing. And articulation is important. But in snow, imagine that. And then in addition, having slippery conditions. So having a system that can break the wheel that needs to be broke and uh, at the same time having a mechanical system work with it is really ideal in my book. So it curtails wheel spin Mm -hmm. and it kind of numbs or dulls or makes the throttle less sharp. Yeah, yeah. Which is all good in the snow. Yes. Actually, every vehicle on this list has a snow mode of some sort. And most of them will do a thing if they have a regular transmission where they'll start in second gear which allows a little less torque to immediately a little less run. Wheel spin. Right, exactly. And now, so that's the mushy feel. Now, now, if you want to go, who in the vehicle, you know, empty parking lot, start, yeah. doing, start doing donuts, this is not a good thing. <laughs> it gets frustrating because, right, if the car won't allow that to happen. It won't allow you to basically, if you turn the steering wheel left, you're going to go left but the back end won't spin around on you. And you know that's fun, but it's also kind of out of control. We spend a lot of time at TFL trying to figure out ways to defeat these systems so we can hoon a little bit from time to time. And in some cases, we're successful. In some cases, we're not successful. And a really good example of that is our next vehicle on the list. Before you get to that, uh-huh. before you get to that um, there are times when you do want wheel spin. Yep. So I shouldn't be like, you don't want wheel spin all the time. But usually, think about kind of the use case scenario, right? Uh, when it snows here for the first time, traffic goes to a crawl. Yep. Everybody in Colorado forgets how to drive in the snow. Oh, especially the first snow. Yeah. Right, and it becomes like this obstacle course <laughs> where you're trying to avoid either getting hit or or being, you know, or hitting somebody, right? Yep. And in that case, in that kind of scenario, you, you probably want kind of slow throttle response. You want everything to slow down. You want to be able to be in control, uh, and it's good. Uh, obviously, if you're out there, you know, doing your best impression of uh, Ken Block, it's not good, but right. for the most part, we don't get to do that here. Nor, you know, you probably shouldn't do that on a public road. You never should do that, on right? But, road. but it is something that you know is a benefit, even though it does take a lot of the fun. Wheel spin can be effective if you're trying to dig through the snow to get to some traction beneath it. Mm. Um, that is a case where shutting off the traction control might help you get out of unless a... Unless there's ice underneath it. Unless there's ice underneath it, which we've had before. But it, it really depends on the situation. It is nice to be able to, to take the traction control system off. It's nice to have that. But in many cases, it's very difficult to do, especially with more modern vehicles. Do you remember when uh, uh, we did a couple of videos on the Switzerland Trail? This was like eight years ago when we had that first generation Raptor. And we oh, took yeah. it down the Switzerland Trail. <laughs> and took it like, like 20 feet 
<laughs> you think this is the other thing you think? I am in a Raptor. I'm unstoppable. Yeah, wow, uh, no, that, you're not. Unstoppable. That old Raptor was was a really good truck, but it just you know, it, if it had dedicated snow off road tires, maybe would have made another foot. <laughs> but it was deep, thick snow. Which, by the way, Colorado, we usually have very fluffy snow. High elevation helps with that. But when it gets deep and thick and sludgy. That's the hardest snow of all to get through, as far as I'm concerned. And we, now remember, we did the same thing. So we, we kind of got the, the, the Raptor high centered, and then remember we got a Range Rover, and we thought this has air suspension, so it'll, it'll be fine. High centered, yeah. And it, it took us like another 20 feet before we got yeah, it. Yeah, it, it, it didn't. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's and getting high centered really sucks because you know it's one of those things you might be able to avoid, but you think, hey, I could make it. I, I, we've all done it, uh, or at least you know TFL. But the other thing is, is that, okay, let's say you're in the middle of nowhere, you got high centered, you got to use your arm, buddy, get underneath it and start scooping away. And that is the worst sensation in the world, just having your arms go numb and trying to pull the snow out from underneath your vehicle so you can maybe get it unbeached. It sucks. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, we deal a lot with the local uh, rescue and recovery people. Oh, yeah. You know what their most popular, like, rescue is? Uh, It happens all the time. I would imagine. Summer and winter. It's nothing like you, you think it's like that one that happened. Remember this this year, what happened with somebody? I was talking to my friend about this who used to be president of this organization. Uh-huh. So there's a, a, a mountain here called Democrat. Okay. Uh, and then there's like three 14ers right by Democrat. Yeah, Republican and, and Independent. Yeah, right? yeah. And somebody had decided, and this is the classic thing that happens. They had decided, you probably saw pictures of this, uh, and, and, and the recovery guys couldn't actually recover it. Somebody decided from Texas to bring a brand new, uh, I think it was a GMC AT4X, or it may have been uh, a Colorado. I'm not sure, but it was certainly one of the GM twins. Uh-huh. Uh, and they decided to drive it up a, 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 a walking path because it looked like it was a driving path. Uh-huh. And they got up to about almost 14,000 feet. And this is what happens in the snow. It happens in the dry. They slid off the path and the truck got stuck. Yeah. Uh, and then they had to call a Colorado rescue, and because it was so high and so far up in the mountains, even those guys couldn't do it. So finally they had to call a tow truck, because there are high-rescue tow trucks, obviously, Matt's Off-Road Recovery, things like that. Uh-huh. Uh, $3,000 plus fines. You know, yeah. Uh, and I think it ended up totaling something like $12,000 to get that truck off the mountain. But anyway, the point is the most common thing you end up with is getting basically – Coming off the off the trail sideways or coming off the road sideways, it can happen on the road, right? When, oh yeah, spillways and all that. Then you lose lateral grip, and then you get high centered, and mm-hmm. then you're stuck. Very yeah. common. You'll see it on, on highways all the time. This happened to us years and years ago. Roman and I started doing videos early on, winter videos, and we got a vehicle stuck off the shoulder in snow and we had lucky luckily there was a tractor nearby kid you not (laughs) remember that guy and he was like a vintage tractor too and he pulled us out thank god because caribou yeah that was up and that was a just a remarkably difficult situation there was no way we could that was a super that was a super i mean it wasn't the car's fault it was my fault i was the one who drove right into it but nonetheless i just couldn't get out and wrc you know this was no that was yeah that, that was a, leg, a legend or lega, legacy was it legacy i forgot it the was, names it was of them it's been so long it was kind of a sporty sedan. Yeah, we were trying to go up to Caribou in the winter. Yeah, and the all-wheel drive system worked beautifully, but and this is an older one. Uh, but the fact is, is that low ground clearance with that particular vehicle, me getting stuck on the side, made it really hard to remove that vehicle from the snow. And the tractor helped us extricate. And I think the point here is, uh, you, you know, do whatever you can not to get stuck. Because once you're stuck, 
it can become life-threatening, especially uh, I had, you know, I had this happen. I'm, I'm going to tell stories because we only have 10 cars here. Mm -hmm. I'll tell one story. Okay. So remember that we had a first-generation Raptor and we put a winch on it. Yeah. And I'm going up uh, Loveland Pass after skiing all day. It's like maybe nine o'clock at night or something because mm -hmm. uh, we had gone to dinner afterwards. And at the, do you remember when you go up Loveland Pass, you go past A Basin, mm -hmm. and then you make this like kind of big turn that goes to your left, and then there's a big, yes, yes, big kind of hairpin that goes to your right. Yes, the, and there was a Versa stuck in deep snow in there. Okay, and I was with my wife, and I was like, you know what, honey, if you don't mind, I'll stop. I've got a winch. I'll winch these people out. And they had just gone like straight in, like like a dart into the snow. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm like, this should be easy. I'll just winch them out. Well, it turned out this car had Mexican plates. This was a Mexican Versa, and there was no place. I'm literally there was no place to attach the winch cable to. So they didn't have an eye hook thing for the back. They didn't have an eye hook thing. There was I could I didn't want to put it around the axle because you know I didn't know how stuck that was because you could just you could just tear it off. You yeah. could tear the axle off the car. Which, I've seen that in videos too, which, which would make it worse. Uh, and so you know I just stood there, kind of scratched my head. Uh, they didn't speak good English. I didn't speak, you know, Spanish. And eventually a tow truck driver came by and I kind of waved him over. And I said, hey, can you help these guys? Because I can't winch them out of there. There's no place to attach to. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, that's something to keep in mind. If you're going into winter conditions, you should probably make sure your vehicle has something in it to allow it to be removed in case it does get snuck in snow. This, this is on a popular pass, right? Imagine if this was something like... Uh, one of one of the less popular ones. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot of traffic. Where they could have been stuck for possibly a couple of days. Yeah, we have which those in Colorado. People die. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the truth. All right. What's next, Nathan? Okay. The next is the Mazda CX-90. Now, I'm not referring to the PHEV version. I'm talking about the one with the straight six twin turbocharged, all new vehicle. Tommy absolutely had his mind blown with how well this vehicle did on the roller test. We were very excited about it. It's a great great three-row SUV. Um, in addition, though, it has a couple interesting components to it that Mazda came up with, including predictive all-wheel drive, which way back, about six years ago, Andre and I got a chance to test predictive all-wheel drive when it was still kind of new. And it's a cool system because what it does is essentially it hooks up your all-wheel drive system immediately when it detects temperature at a certain range or even if you're using your wipers, it obviously goes off ground temperature and it'll immediately make sure that your all-wheel drive system is hooked up as opposed to waiting for wheel spin, which is a nifty thing to have. And this has it. In addition, this one is actually rear drive bias, whereas in most Mazdas are front wheel drive bias, most Mazda crossovers, I should say. Uh, so it's a little bit more BMW-ish, but the way it performs, the traction system is fantastic. Now we should talk about Tommy's slip test. So yes. basically what Tommy does is he takes the cars, he puts them on rollers, and he starts with you know one wheel in the front, one wheel in the back, uh, and then he tries to drive the car off the rollers. And if the system is working correctly, it will break the wheel that is on the rollers and send power to the wheel that has traction, thus, you know, extricating the car from the rollers. Correct. And then he makes it harder. Yep. He'll add up to three rollers. Yep. So only one wheel actually has traction. And very few vehicles can actually make that work. Now, you'll see some of them almost make it work. Visually, you can see that there's power, some little tiny bit of power going to the wheel, but it's an awful lot to ask one wheel to pull off, let's say, a three or 4,000-pound vehicle off rollers. It's, it's a lot of work. So this is a really good test of a vehicle's all-wheel drive system, and we've also eliminated the need for traction with tires. Any vehicle can do this as long as it has enough ground clearance to get up on the rollers. And it's not as easy as you might think because there's speed sensors in the wheel. Mm -hmm. And when the, when the 
when there's a variance in speeds in different wheels, then all of a sudden the computer starts to freak out. We've had that happen. Yes, we have. We don't want to repeat that whole story. But it's not it's not as straightforward as you think. Now, let's talk about, before we continue the list, let's talk about the difference in all-wheel drive systems, right? So the basic difference between all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive, which is what trucks have, Broncos have, is a low range. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about vehicles with a low range. No. In fact, on this list, there's only one that has a low range um, that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So, so usually trucks have a low range, cars don't. Uh, it doesn't really help you in the snow a low range for the most part. It's not. It just means you're 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 gearing down, so you basically have better throttle response or better throttle control. More, torque, more torque is going to the wheels. But it doesn't really help in the snow. Yeah. Well, it depends on the situation. It, I mean, can if you're going like uphill and in, in snow, maybe um, maybe that would help. But it's for it's for crawling. It's for pulling yeah. it's for hauling it's for a lot of things yeah so um so that let's 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 just take kind of the the traditional four-wheel drive system out of it now for me my experience has been that if you do have a traditional four-wheel drive and i'll, I'll probably the easiest one that most people are familiar with here is a g-wagon because you have three different buttons on a g-wagon mm-hmm. so you have a front locker you have a rear locker and you have a center locker. So when you hit the center locker, it takes the engine torque and distributes it 50-50 to the front and the rear. That's correct. And then when you hit the front locker and the rear locker, it takes that 50-50 and distributes it 50-50 to each of the wheels. So 25% of the torque is going to each of the wheels. So all four wheels are spinning all the time. At at the same RPM. At the same RPM. Which really does work very well in certain conditions with snow. But uh, Wrangler has that as well. Yeah. Dedicated uh, off-roaders have that. Dedicated off-roaders have that. Now, there are a lot of vehicles on this list that do have a 50-50 split in terms of torque, but it doesn't work the same way as it does with the mechanical system. So in many cases, uh, it can be an electromagnetic coupling that is actually coming together, progressively allowing power to go back to the rear wheels. And most of these vehicles are front engine, front drive uh, bias, and then they have an axle going to the back to power the rear wheels when needed. Um, in fact, there's only a couple that aren't. So, so, and actually, this Mazda is one of them. This Mazda is front wheel, uh, front engine, but rear drive bias. So for a long time, and my um, mom had this car. Um, the way that a lot of cars handled, especially front wheel drive cars, handled all wheel drive was they had a viscous coupling mm-hmm. between the front wheels and the rear wheels. So there was. Uh, drive shaft that went to the rear wheels, but it didn't activate until the front wheel started slipping. Mm-hmm. And the fun of that was, I remember taking that thing around a corner in the snow, was you take it around the corner in the snow, so the front wheels would start slipping. Uh, the car would send power to the rear wheels, and then you'd be fishtailing. It was hilarious. Yeah, it, uh, I'm sure it was, a, it was an awesome time for your mom. <laughs> yeah, and the upside to that was you weren't powering all four wheels when you didn't need to power them, like in dry conditions, so you weren't using as much fuel. Uh, but now, Nathan, uh, the latest and greatest way of powering cars are these um, uh, plug-in or regular hybrids where there is no drive shaft between the front of the car and the rear of the car, but there is a motor in the rear that actually helps uh, send power to the rear wheels versus having an actual drive shaft that comes off of the differential. Yeah, that's correct. Toyota pioneered a lot of this technology and almost everything that they build that's RX. a hybrid. Well, that's the, probably the, the one that- The RX, uh, the Toyota Highlander was an early adopter of that type of system. Uh, right now, every crossover that Toyota builds 
that has a hybrid system, which I believe is all of them now, have that setup where they can have an electric motor power the rear wheels. And it went from being not such a great system, and we actually have proof of yeah. that. Yeah, you know, like to, the first Pri like the last generation Prius. Oh, that had only six horsepower going to the rear wheels and, and up barely, to twenty-five miles an hour. Yeah, and it, 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 the couple. That was to get you out of trouble. Yeah. That's the only, th and, and they even said that, but. Yeah. Then you go all the way up to some of their much more capable vehicles, and now, even with their minivan, now they're sending a ton of torque to the, because these little rear electric motors have a gob of torque at low speeds. They could just throw it all out there immediately, and that's really helpful for getting out of sticky situations. Uh, if you add that with snow tires, honestly, the new system of Toyota and some other people are now using, it works quite well. Um, it also allows, if you flip it around, Let's see, like I just did the uh, uh, Revuelto, right, which is a thousand horsepower Lamborghini mm -hmm. uh, that now has all-wheel drive based on two motors, uh, each powering the front wheels. It's very similar to the E-Ray, very similar to the NSX, and in this case, it's not necessarily meant for better traction, but it's meant for better performance. Yeah, of course. It sends torque, uh, you know, side to side where it's needed, when it's needed. So you have real torque vectoring, mm -hmm. which is also useful in the snow. But these are exotic cars. The Revuelto is $600,000. The E-Ray is $110,000, I think. Yeah, we actually have video where I had I was lucky enough to go into an NSX and take it into the snow. And try that, yeah. Yeah, and it worked quite well, actually. That system was outstanding. Now, speaking of Honda, may I move that's, on to the... Yeah, that's the only company who would actually use that, not just for performance, but also for traction. Because I got to drive that thing in the uh, on the ice uh -huh. in... in uh, uh, steamboat on their uh, ice course. Yeah, and I mean, just it's it's a phenomenal system. When I talked to Lamborghini, by the way, uh -huh. and I said, "How?" Is it? And they looked at me like I was crazy. Like, who's going to take a six hundred thousand dollar? And I'm like, "Hey, I'm from Colorado." <laughs> There are, I bet you there's going to be a billionaire or two who are going to be like, yeah, I wonder what it can do. Take your wife to dinner, next thing you know, it starts snowing. And I mean, there's guys lifting Lamborghinis and taking them off-road, yeah, for the, crying the, out loud. The Cerreto, yeah. the, the off-road one, yeah. Um, okay, so the next one has, in, arguably in my book, the best all-wheel drive system available that is basically fire and forget. It's a very simple setup for the driver, but at the same time, it is an extremely advanced system. That is... Uh, currently on the Honda Pilot Trail Sport, um, other Honda vehicles have it, and it's called the IVTM4 system. And it is an excellent system for light off-roading, excellent in the snow. Um, the picture you're seeing here, for those of you who are listening, it's a picture of me in Moab, Utah, but we actually have had this vehicle in the snow, and the system works very well. It could take up to 70% of the torque and send it to the rear axle. Then it could take up to 100% of that torque and send it side to side. So it has real-time, and by the way, mechanical vectoring. In addition, it has an all-wheel drive system that does use the ABS system to slow down a spinning wheel. It really is a phenomenal system, works very well, but unfortunately... Honda doesn't use it on all their all-wheel drive vehicles. I don't, I don't think it gets enough credit. I think their all-wheel drive system is actually really good. I, I truly I, I know. Do. I, don't, I, I just think people don't, because they don't build dedicated, like Toyota builds an off-roader, Nissan builds an off-roader. You off know, Subaru or whatever. But right, Honda Honda's doesn't. is really good. But, but regrettably, that system is not on all their all-wheel drive vehicles, which is a little strange to me. Uh, that should be on pretty much, well, if it's, it's all-wheel drive on Honda, it should have that. It's not like CRV. That's you know, CRV does not have, have it. it. Yeah, which yeah. is their most popular car. Uh, and I think if they really wanted to promote it, they would put it on the CRV. They also have a really good uh, like terrain management where you can actually yeah. pick snow or sand, and it actually works. Because let's face it, uh, oftentimes a lot of these terrain management things can be marketing more than yeah, not, maybe not on Range Rovers or Land Rovers. They, they pioneered it; it works. But on some cars, it's more 
like I said, more marketing than re reality. In, in some cases, and I'm not bringing up any particular names, you put on snow and essentially all you're doing is Feeling the, throttle the, response. Yeah, the throttle response is del delayed. Yeah. And then maybe the ABS system might work a little differently. But then you kind of work your way up from there to get to these much better vehicles that have real ability in snow. Regardless of tires, they can actually do a lot more. But then if you add the tires to it, suddenly they are nearly unstoppable. And I don't remember if that if those ATs that that thing comes with actually are snow rated. They may just be. They, they are. Uh, they they are, have a snowflake? Yeah, they have a snowflake. Um, they are uh, Continentals. Okay. And uh, I did drive it in snow, and it did very well. But they're, they're not like the double flake and everything else. It's triple the triple mountain? Yeah, it's not the triple mountain one. Uh, but nonetheless, very good system, very good vehicle altogether. Uh, and this, this system is also available, in the, or it comes in the uh, Honda Passport. And I just really wish that they would kind of run. Oh, and I believe the, um, yeah, the Ridgeline as well. So, yeah, it's a good system. I wish Honda would put it pretty much in everything they build. So what's next? Next on the list. Now, guys, um, this is a strange one because there, there's, there's a give and take here. This is the Toyota Camry with all-wheel drive. And a long, long time ago, they had cameras with all-wheel drive as well. But they brought it back, and we've tested a bunch of them. I would uh, say that was a viscous coupling, the, the old ones. This system is mechanical, and it is very simple because it only goes with the four-cylinder uh, engine. So it's kind of a bummer it doesn't go with the V6, but, you know, there's packaging and some other issues. But it works really well. We've driven it in snow. We put it on the roller test. It did really well on the roller test. Um, and Roman actually went to the event, I believe, uh, for this vehicle, and you even grilled the poor guy about, hey, why is there no V6 with all-wheel drive? Um, but this is a very good, very solid, very simple all-wheel drive system, and it's a, a very efficient one as well. Only 50% goes to the rear wheels. Uh, there's no uh, torque vectoring. However, it is enough power and enough, and I love the balance of the car, to get you out of a sticky situation. I remember that was a fun program. I think they had the Prius too, and I forget if, I think it was a Prius. Yeah. Um, I'm in the I'm in the kind of the warming, we were in Utah, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and there was a field full of snow, and there was snow on the ground, and I think some of the, um, well, one of our friends, I'm not gonna name names, but you can, I don't think they ever published that video actually. <laughs> one, of, one of the YouTubers on this program decided that they wanted to either do a stand-up or actually test the Prius's all-wheel drive system and they drove it to the field. And the next thing I know, <laughs> is there's like a five people kind of standing around the Prius scratching their heads and then the tractor comes trumbling by. <laughs> so, so my point is, Nathan, these, these systems that, 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 that are on these cars are not meant to go like in fields right in the middle of winter these are these are on road in common condition systems so so don't get too excited but, about like off-roading it but but um coming back to the camry first of all completely different all-wheel drive system than the prius that he's talking about yes, completely different, different. Yeah. this is a fully mechanical system there is a drive shaft going back to the rear there is an axle you know it's it's got all that but in addition um it is a very good all-wheel drive system in terms of its simplicity, you still have a car that's pretty economical. And even though it doesn't have great ground clearance, and let's face it, a vehicle like this simply doesn't, it's only about uh, five inches, I believe, it still does a fair job in snowy conditions as long as you don't go out in a blizzard, right? Yeah, and then the other problem with on-road cars is, not, you know, there's this, uh, it's not recent, probably the last 15, 20 years, this trend to put extremely low profile wide tires in the car. And they look good, right? They fill yeah. out the wheel well, but 
good snow tires cut through the snow to the pavement and the fatter the tire, like if you're rolling on 22s, you're probably not going to have great all-wheel drive traction, even if you're on a dedicated snow tire, right? Because it's <laughs> just, the tire's just too fat. It just, it just. Oh, there's, there's other issues too. So yeah, no sidewall, mm. the less sidewall, the less uh, height the tire has usually. So mm -hmm. you're also lowering ground clearance. Uh, and a lot of these cars do have, you know, tires and wheels that look good, but, you know, are the exact opposite of what you would want for snow tires. And I, I don't want to talk about chains and such, but, you know, now there's a lot of different, and we've done videos on this, there's a lot of different options for that. Yeah, we've um, done a ton of videos on but, it. But they're hard to put on these low-profile tires because you can't get them either chains or socks or whatever. Yeah. We did a whole video where we bought a bunch of these traction aids and stuck them on vehicles, but the one thing we found is they're really hard to put on because there's no room between the wheel and the fender lining. Yeah, uh, so style is an issue, but in addition, when you do these uh, larger wheels, right, uh, larger fatter wheels, uh, a, yes, you're lowering your vehicle more often than not. B, more weight for your car to actually push along. So imagine being stuck in snow and having a wheel that weighs, instead of 25 or 30 pounds, weighing 40 or 50 pounds because you have extra steel and less rubber. That's a true, you really need to research that. In addition to all that, there is one final thing I want to mention. When you have very little sidewall, that means in colder conditions, your the air molecules condense and that means you lose air in your tires you'll notice that you have your um, tire warning system often coming on because it thinks your tires are low because it's really cold and yeah everything goes down a bit now imagine having low profile tires in winter conditions that sucks because more often than not you might even pop a bead that's yeah. how bad they can be. And I've seen it happen, and I love it when I see kids running around slamming their cars with these giant uh, tires and or t giant wheels and teeny, teeny, teeny tires. And, yeah, they all have a really hard time driving in snow, which happens often in Colorado. Hey, I'm going to do a bit of a rant here. Yes. Uh, I'll tell you what this rant is. It's about wheels, tires, and offsets. Okay. Can they make it any more complicated, Nathan? Can it be any more inscrutable than how it is right now? I mean, so I'll give you a, a, a real-life example. So I just bought this Range Rover, right? Uh -huh. uh, and uh, I came with 21s and, you know, no sidewall. Uh, and as we've proven with the Defender, you don't want to go off-roading with no sidewall, especially with no sidewall protection because, A, the tires don't provide a lot of cushion, and B, um, uh, they don't provide a lot of traction. So I, I finally found a 20 that'll fit on this thing, I think. But that was also hard because, like, you, you, you would think you would, you know, with AI, we just go, hey, can you fit a 20 on a long wheelbase Range Rover? And then, of course, you go on some forum and half the people be like, oh, no problem. You can fit a 20-inch wheel because you have to have clearance for the brake caliper, right? Oh, yeah. And the other half are like, no, no, no. So so it's, it's a complete mystery. Yeah. So finally, when you do find the wheel, then you want to go and put a little taller tire on it because now you're going, I'm going from a 21 to a 20. But then you got to figure out the size of the of the tire, uh, and that is also inscrutable because uh, there is no like one set of tires that actually matches that car, and there's no one set of advice. So you've kind of got to figure out exactly and guess it exactly what size tire and wheel combination that fits and that's not even talking about offsets or talking about like the bolt pattern yep. it's, it's so inscrutable we, we spend two weeks trying to get bigger wheels and tires for a mustang an sm95 right they built that thing for what 10 years they mm -hmm. got to build over a million of them and you can't figure out what size wheel and tire you can put on there if it's not the oem size it's 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 so inscrutable it's unbelievable if you want to be a disruptor out there figure out a way like maybe maybe like a a, a way you could put a, a universal mount on a wheel where it would just fit everything 
Yeah. And then to make it even more complicated, we want to go with all terrains on the Range Rover, mm -hmm. but they don't build all terrains in the sizes that, that you need for that 20, right? So then you're guessing at what size you can buy because you don't know what all terrains they build and what sizes. I'm sure you can find an overseas company that makes some sort of all terrain, like, you know, Brave Hero tires. We've <laughs> seen stuff like that. I'm sure. I'm sure you can find them. But you see what I'm saying? It's yeah. so such a complicated and such a convoluted thing with wheels, tires, and offsets that, that no wonder there's so many people who are, you know, making money at this because the rest of us are completely befuddled. Hence, SEMA, which, by the way, we will be attending, I believe, a couple of our guys are going over there this year, so stay tuned for that. All right, what's next? Okay, so um, next on our list, now, first of all, I, I want to just finish up with Toyota real quick, because I really liked that car in the snow, and it was really well balanced once again. I just thought it was well done. However, there was an issue, and that was low gr ground clearance. So what if you can get an extra inch and a half or so, well, seven inches, let's say, well, then you can do something like this, which is the Chevy Trailblazer. Now, and let's be fair, Honda doesn't build an Accord that's all-wheel drive. No, they don't. Uh, not at least in the states yeah. currently. Um, now, Chevrolet, and there are other vehicles like the regular Blazer. Now, I've never taken the regular Blazer, new Blazer, I should say, into the snow per se. I put it on ice; it did fine, and it has a different all-wheel drive system than the Trailblazer. Trailblazer is extremely simple, but the only reason that it's on this list, in my book, is that it works fairly well, and it's also very inexpensive. Um, it's a very basic all-wheel drive system. It sends up to 50% of the torque to the rear, and that's it. Uh, it. If it detects slip, that's what it does. It's completely seamless. It just does it. it there is a snow mode. There's a lot to be said for a car that doesn't cost $48,000, which is the average new car price. Yeah, now. exactly, exactly. And so for an inexpensive vehicle, and I drove these all over California. I've driven them in Colorado, and I've had pretty good luck with them just with the standard tires on them. I'm willing to bet that one of these little guys, the very lightweight, with uh, snow tires or good all-season tires, like we mentioned, would be pretty damn good in snow. So I just wanted to mention it because it's relatively inexpensive, and some of the vehicles on this list can be pricey, and we're going to start jumping up in price big time on the next one. Yeah, the next one is the uh, Tesla Model Y all-wheel drive, and we actually have a lot of experience with that. That was a vehicle where we actually went and bought... Uh, uh, actually, we got some uh, Martian wheels for it. Thank mm -hmm. you, Martian wheels. Uh, and then threw on some uh, Michelin cross climates on it. And, That's right. And did a lot of snow driving. Uh, very good uh, dual motor. So you've got one motor on the front axle, one motor on the rear axle. Uh, the computer sends power to the wheel that has traction. Uh, surprisingly good off off uh, off the snow. Uh, but there are issues with it, and you can see it in this picture. Uh, it's got not enough ground clearance, basically. Yeah, what it's a, I think it's just around six inches yeah. or less. Yeah, so you can see that little front spoiler is getting yeah, filled, filled up with snow. Yeah, you turned it into a snow plow. However, I don't think you guys really got stuck. We never got stuck. You, you just plowed through it. The other problem, of course, is the battery life severely is downgraded mm -hmm. when it gets cold. Uh, and when I say severely, I mean up to 25%, maybe even more, depending on how cold it gets. Uh, and uh, we also had an issue, and this was an early issue, with the heat pumps in the Model Ys, where it stopped working when it got cold. <laughs> My wife experienced that going over Loveland Pass well, one must year. That must have been awesome. That must have been, she loved that car, huh? Uh -huh. I was like, honey, take the Model Y. It's got snow tires, and she did, and yeah, she called me up, and I heard, didn't hear the end of it. <laughs> she does not like being cold. No, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so the good news is that uh, some, a lot of those issues have been addressed. They, they they, so, they've yeah. upgraded the heat pumps, and most There's modern... Like issue. Yeah, um, but most uh, modern electric vehicles do have 
decent heat pumps. And the good news is, is that um, in the very near future, they're expecting a much uh, lower de degradation of battery capability in cold weather. And we're going to see that pretty soon, I Here, think. Here's another problem with electric cars in the snow. Might as well do the laundry yeah, list. So I remember when we had the Hummer EV. That doesn't even qualify. All right, yeah. So, so we had the Hummer EV, uh, which is actually good in the snow. <laughs> it had yeah, all terrains. But it weighs over 9,000 pounds. <laughs> it does, yes, which is not good in the snow. I would never go on a frozen lake ever. Well, not yeah. You're going to go through the frozen lake, or if you're on a frozen downhill section, you're going to you're, you're going to go down that hill. <laughs> you're going to go down that hill. But here's the funny part: uh, uh, we have a place up in Keystone that, that I go to quite a bit, and I took it up there, uh, and it gets very cold at night. We're like at nine thousand feet above sea level, so uh -huh. we're looking like minus. It could be minus twenty mm -hmm. Fahrenheit, right? Uh, or more. And one of those nights, I had the Hummer EV up there, and it was too big to put in the garage, which <laughs> is heated, of course. Yes. Uh, so uh, I left it outside and I plugged it in, and I didn't have we don't ha I don't have a fast charger up there or a, you know level two. So you plugged in a one ten? Yeah, one ten. And guess how much power got overnight? Ten percent. No, 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 no. How many kilowatts do you think it, it's? Let's how say many I kilowatts it in overnight? Like a, yeah, I plugged in like at fifty. What do you think it was at in the morning? Uh, Sixty. Fifty. <laughs> Because basically at 110. <laughs> so on you, were, you maintained basically what you had on in there. On that giant battery, all that that. It leached it. All oh, that that, awesome. that that plug did was basically keep the battery warm. <laughs> it was like a it was like a block heater in essence for a battery. Yeah. So you just maintained basically. I, I may have put like one kilowatt hour of power into the thing. Yeah, that's not going to get much. It was hilarious. The, yeah. yeah. I plugged it in and it says something like uh, two weeks until this thing is full. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a real shame. But uh, fortunately, most electric vehicles don't have an extravagantly massive battery that weighs as much as a planet. So, um, but the Model Y, um, I would say for Tesla was a hell of a good start with all-wheel drive, snow, and electricity. I would um, say I would say if you want a good all-wheel drive um, snow car, go for Rivian. At this point, until a Cybertruck comes Which, along. And the only reason it's not on this list is because it's a truck. Yeah, yeah. I'd I would have put it on this list. Go for the Rivian R1S or R1T, either one. We've taken those into the snow. Um, They've done did, really well. We did have a little bit of issues where uh, we had the quad motor and the, the computer got a little like confused as to where to send the power because mm. all four wheels were spinning. Ah. And so it was like, ah, I don't know where to, which tire do I have? But it figured it out, I thought. And there, there, yeah, it was just a momentary. Yeah, it figured it out. But it, it, it did. I think they will keep working on that software. So I think it keeps getting better. But initially, there were some issues with it. Which reminds me, there is a video coming out very soon regarding uh, the Rivian, uh, the newest model with software updates. Actually, if you time travel, it's already out. It's already out if you time travel. Sorry. <laughs> this video is being filmed before it actually came exactly, out. Exactly, yes. Okay. Go to AltTFL. You'll find yeah, it. Yeah, go to AltTFL.com and you will oh, find it. Oh, I like it. the next one. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, this was a really good vehicle, especially because... <laughs> really surprisingly good off-road, actually. It's done well off-road. Um, I brought it over. Uh, we, we've managed to take this thing. The, the one that's in the picture, first of all, it's the Nissan Pathfinder, the newest one. Um, we've driven the hell out of it. We've, we've taken it off-road in various uh, terrains. We've taken it into snow. This image that's behind me, which Roman is holding up a fun sign that says Nathan's Crack, um, is actually not the Rock Creek edition. So this just has standard street tires, basically. all they, It has MTs, but they're really not. Um, and it just did phenomenally well in the snow using its uh, snow system. This It's an interesting vehicle because it now has a nine-speed automatic transmission. No more CVT, thank God. 
and it really does a good job of taking that power and putting it into the back wheels when needed, and then it'll electronically decouple to maintain decent fuel mileage. However, the Rock Creek Edition, which we recently did a video where we took three vehicles off-road, that's including a Toyota um, Corolla Cross, which is not on this list, by the way. Um, <laughs> that um, that was the Rock Creek Edition that Andre was driving, and it did really well. It's such a great vehicle for Nissan. I'm very proud of them. But at the same time, the Rock Creek Edition does have the uh, uh, General Grabber tires, which are mud and snow. They're more of an all-terrain tire, but they do have a snowflake rating on them too. So uh, Andre was thrilled about telling us about the snowflake rating. So I would say that the Rock Creek Edition of this vehicle, probably the best of all the worlds you can get for a three-row, somewhat affordable crossover SUV. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you go with Range Rover, you're probably going to get, you know, better all-terrain responses. Yeah, but you also have to pay 30 grand more. You're going to pay 30 grand more. And you're going to lose 30 grand in the first year. Yeah, we, I mean, we just did, we did a video where we took, we just bought this Range Rover, where we just took it off-road with the Range Rover. Uh, it did well. The Range Rover made it effortless because mm -hmm. it's got air suspension, so it, it, you know, keeps the tires on the ground. But this thing did really well, uh, and it was certainly, you know, much more affordable than a new Range Rover. Yeah, um, and I do like the power. By the way, if you get the Rock Creek Edition, a lot of people don't know this, you actually get a little bit more horsepower, a little bit more torque. So keep that in mind. Uh, but it's, I really do, I'm very fond of this vehicle. I think it's because of all the shock of having the station wagons of Pathfinders for over what, nearly a decade or whatever. For a while, the Pathfinder was a super off-road capable vehicle. And I had one, I had the third generation and it was just a truck, it was great. Just really crappy mileage. And, and then they, they went to Mallfinder. And they went to really went to a Mallfinder, which was basically a station wagon that can kind of do some very light off-roading. But this is this is a nice compromise. I think that they really have matured in their thinking and realized that Pathfinder is not something that should be, frankly, well, once again, a station wagon. So, yeah, it's it's definitely improved. Now the next vehicle on this list is dear to my heart because it's one of my favorite electric vehicles out there i would buy one tomorrow if i was on you know if i was actually shopping for it the hyundai ionic 5. yes which we use to drive cross country i've actually driven it both ways we set a cannonball record from disney to disney until andre broke it until andre broke it in the tesla yeah and tommy yep and tommy but um I got a chance to take one of these into a really snowy, uh, actually to a basin, yep. which does get some really thick snow. And at the time, it was, it was only like, you know, three or four inches on the ground, which gets pushed down pretty easily. But if you go into certain parking lots, it's still nice and fluffy. And I was really concerned because it doesn't have very good ground clearance. Even though they call, call it a crossover, it's really like a hot hatch slash wagon because it's only like five inches of ground clearance. Uh, but it did really well, and it's so damn heavy that it pushed all the snow out of the way that was in, in its way. The uh, all-wheel drive system on that, if you get the all-wheel drive model, does have a snow mode. I believe so does the front-wheel drive version. But in addition to that, it is just a snowplow, man. That thing has so much power, and it's so easy to drive. It's so friendly to drive. I just, I didn't fear for my life, even though the tires that were on it were specific, they were bespoke for this vehicle, they're a little bit more performance, low rolling resistance, yeah, not MTs. Yeah, that's also not a good thing. Those low, ro low rolling resistance tires usually are compromised for fuel economy and not all weather traction. Yeah. Uh, but you can change those out. I, I have no experience with that, Nathan, in the snow, so I'll, I'll leave it to you. The yeah, next one I do have experience in the snow with, uh, and this is probably, if I were to pick one out of this, Except for the Bronco Sport, if I had more money, this is the one I would pick as the kind of the ultimate snow car. Uh, the Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe or a regular 
uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee, either one, obviously, um, you know, it's a Jeep, uh, it's kind of falls into that off-roader, but the Grand Cherokee is, let's face it, more of a family, um, you know, truckster than, than, than now uh, an yes. all-wheel drive, you know, rock crawler. And it's the only uh, hybrid on this list. Yeah, the 4x, exactly. Yeah, the 4xe I'm impressed with because uh, they've been very popular for Jeep, and, you know, you get, I think you get 22 or 23 miles uh, it's like 27. Is I it 27? I, I want to say the I'll, Wrangler's 4 by is like 22. Okay, I think this so one's like 27. So it's right. definitely more. I know that. Of all electric range. Yeah. Uh, so you can get all electric range. It gets much better mileage than your regular one. You still got gobs of torque. And, and ground clearance. And the ground clearance is decent on these. Um, so all of those are positives. It's not cheap. Uh, no, I mean to get one of these with the um, Trailhawk edition, you're, you're talking about 80 grand, I think. Uh, it's a lot of money for any Jeep. But, snow mode. Yeah, but you do have sl snow mode. You also have, it does have a um, lock, uh, it has a low range. So it's one of the few vehicles on this list, and I was talking about low range. Center this has locker. it. Might have a rear locker? No, it, no? it doesn't have a locker per se, but basically what low it has range. is like an anti-spin rear. Oh, yeah, So it's right. like an LSD, yep, but it's yep. not an LSD. Yep. Um, limited slip rear diff is what we're referring to. Um, but it is... Very capable in all terrains. They tested the hell out of this in all weather. They wanted to make sure that this was one of the best vehicles for any terrain. And this really is the, the shining example of what Jeep can do with a mixture of technology, which is why I selected the 4xe, because that's their highest tech newest vehicle. And, and let's face it, you know, in this segment, we could talk about Range Rovers potentially. We could talk about like Sequoias. There's, sure. there's a lot of Sequoias like, quite good too. Yeah, there's a lot of cars. But the last vehicle on our list, we t I think you chose, Nathan, because we wanted to get an expensive one out there. And I I completely agree with this one. Uh, it's the Mercedes-Benz so GLS uh, 450 uh, SUV. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah, really, really good so car. Good. Now, if you remember, Nathan, the old one, uh, now it's on, now this feature is only available on the Maybach version, mm -hmm. uh, but the old one had that uh, trick suspension where it would basically bounce, right? Yeah. It bounce itself bounce out, itself of, sand, out, out of, yeah. of sand, right? That was a fa I remember going on the program and uh, like we were having so much fun. We were like driving and bouncing. It was like riding a Bucky Bronco. Uh, and eventually they, they basically took that off. But it did make for a lot of great social media content. And it actually worked if you were stuck in. We never tried in snow. It was meant for sand. Maybe yeah. it works in snow. I don't know. If you get the Maybach and you get it stuck, try bouncing it out. Yeah, there you go. So, and send us a video, please. <laughs> and make sure it's on the side of a hill, maybe near a cliff. So that way it's a little bit more, you know, adventurous and cool. So uh, this vehicle, uh, absolutely phenomenal drive train and formatic, which is, you know, it's a variety of different all-wheel drive systems. It's kind of like Audi's Quattro. It's not necessarily one. It depends on the vehicle itself. But this is just a seamless, simple setup that will get you through any terrain uh, other than say heavy duty rocks but it's especially good in snow um, even with the tires it comes with which are freaking steering rollers as far as i'm concerned this thing is an absolute moose through snow it has no problem getting through pretty much anything i think it's about eight eight and a half inches of ground clearance um and it, it, i would say it could definitely use more it's there's so much potential here and the irony is I think it's decent looking, whereas, and if you look at their electric vehicles, uh, the electric version of this, I would say, their, their EQ series, uh, not so much. Actually, the previous generation, it's funny, the Germans start out like with the Touareg where they make it really off-roady. Yeah. Which, you know, it also translates to snow traction. And then as they get more 
modern. They make it more roady and less off-road. You're yeah, right. that so, tends to happen. Yeah, so the previous generations of this, there was even a low range, I think. Yeah, there was yeah. even more rugged. Yeah, rugged but yeah. this one is seamless. It's so simple to use, and it is so much power at your disposal. And it has the 48-volt uh, architecture uh, hybrid system mixed in with a turbocharged engine. It's just a beast. So uh, I definitely, I, I love this one. It's the 450 GLS. It's definitely not for everybody, especially because this particular model was about 100 grand, which is a lot of money. But if you're going to spend that anyway. Well, and then, then the other things you get in these very expensive ones, and sometimes not even on the expensive ones, I mean, heated seats. Oh, of course. Well, Lovely. Uh, heated, almost everything here has heated seats, Heated though. rear seats. Yeah, not everything here has heated, heated steering wheel. Yeah, they, they, a lot of them have that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, those are, to me, um, almost as important. If you spent the whole day skiing and you come up and your hands are frozen or boarding, there's nothing better than wrapping your fingers. I got to say, living in Colorado, I've been here for 22 years now, and um, I used to think steering wheels that were heated. Ah, well, what about your sissies? Yeah, then I started dealing with going day-to-day -to, -day to work and having to deal with frozen vehicles and having frozen hands, and there's nothing quite you, like that. You know having. who does that, that best? Stellantis. Any, any Stellantis yeah. vehicle, their heated steering wheels or their heated seats get so hot that literally you will... You could, yeah. you could fry an egg on them. Yeah. But it's wonderful because you can turn them down. And Stellantis in their trucks does this thing where if it's cold, it automatically... A lot of manufacturers do that, but they're really good at it. They automatically turn on the heated steering wheel, the heated seats. Uh, and the one car that we didn't talk about, which is actually really good because Tommy just took well, it off I wanted road, you to add to this, yeah. The, 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 uh, the, the, we bought a police car charger. The oh, the charger, charger, yeah. Yeah, and it did really well. We just took it off-road, and we're going to put some snow tires on it, which we got when we bought it, and we're going to find out just how good it is in the snow. But they did make one. We got the Hemi, but they did make a Charger all-wheel drive uh, with a V6 as yeah, well. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that's... So yeah, we'll test that this winter with the snow tires and have fun with it because that's going to kind of become our fun. They've even car. made a Challenger with all-wheel drive, the GT. Yes, uh, but it's only Once with again, the V6. Six, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's 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 pretty cool. I, I almost think. died in that car. Yeah, but it wasn't the car's fault. No, a, a tree branch fell through the. Actually, during snow, it was Canada. heavy snow. I, no, it was in, I think it was in Canada. It's either Canada or Michigan. Yeah. Or Michigan, Canada. Someplace, yeah. Anyway, it was like uh, raining that turned to ice, which. Yeah. Coated the trees, which made the branches very heavy, which made it fall into Andre's lap. Yeah, it hit the top of the roof, and it was with so much power that it knocked the uh, rear view mirror, uh, mirror then down. Then the roof So it was just like the swinging on the, on the electric yeah. line that it was on, and it just dented the roof and everything else. And, you know, they, even though this was a pre-production vehicle, Stellantis was like, yeah, wow, we're really sorry this happened. And Andre, of course, being the humble guy he is, he's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And when I heard this, like, dude, why are you apologizing? It wasn't your fault. It's not like you aimed for the tree, you know? So anyway. So, so I want to end this thing with one more uh, little bit of, uh, it's not a rant. It's just a fact. Uh, you know, a lot of people uh, for a long time would say things like, you know, all you need are good snow tires, whether the car is front wheel drive or rear wheel drive. Just get yourself some good snow tires. And that's really what counts, right? It certainly helps. It certainly helps. But what we found living in Colorado is that when people move here, with front-wheel drive cars or rear-wheel drive cars, the next year after the winter, they immediately go to all-wheel drive. Yeah, that tends to be the case. You know, one of the, the, the real pluses of all-wheel drive is being able to push through certain things. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are performance uh, pluses as well, but I'll give you a really good example. Uh, my wife has a, a mini, it's, it's an older one, but it, she has a mini Countryman with all-wheel drive, and she drives it like she stole it every all day. Four. All four, yep. And I've seen her just pull into the snow where it's about, you know, six inches deep, which is, frankly, the car's limit. And she'll just 
pull through the snow and I could see the front and rear wheels really kicking in to push her through the snow to get her out of a nasty driveway or whatever. I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it. And so even though snow tires on a front wheel drive car or rear wheel drive car will definitely pull you through a lot of these things, it is a lot easier and a lot more secure to have all wheel drive or four wheel drive even push you through it. I think with you know climate change, if you live in Chicago or New York, you'll probably be fine with snow tires on a front. Or, but when you come here and you decide you want to go skiing in the middle of winter and a snowstorm hits, you're going to want all-wheel drive. Remember when we uh, came back from Moab and there was a cop car? We were in the well, we, we were in a we Nissan. We were in a Nissan, first-generation Nissan Rogue. Yep. That poor little thing was wheezing up the hill, but it had all-wheel drive and it was fine. It was just like, yeah, okay. All-wheel drive on like mud and snows, on uh -huh. all terrains. And there was a cop with dedicated uh, rear-wheel drive, dedicated snow tires, and yeah. he was fishtailing in front of us. Yeah, we watched him. We were about. 30 feet behind him, watching him, going up the hill. This is actually going up the, the Ike Gauntlet, up the, No, Vail Pass. Oh, it was Vail Pass. It was Vail right. Pass, yeah. And he's just, like, barely able to hold on as he's just powering up this hill. And it's a really good example. Now, first of all, he probably shouldn't have been driving quite that way. But nonetheless, there's not much else you can do. You have to cut through it in order to get some traction to get him up there. And yet, here we are in this wheezy, you know, underpowered little vehicle, and we're cruising up. And I, we could feel the all-wheel drive system working and kicking in occasionally to send power to rear. And that's part of the point. So we're not trying to preach that if you have a front-wheel drive car that you have to trade it in immediately when you get to Colorado. But at the very least, consider more snow-adept tires. Or, yeah, if you really are frightened with snow, then all-wheel drive might help you out a little bit. Well, that's a word of wisdom that we can end on, Nathan. Yeah, simple enough. Thank you guys for listening to us. As always, go to alltfl.com if you want to see all of our videos. And we'll see you next time. Ciao. See you later.